0: Friends, we are on our fourth episode of the Life in Six Words series on the Gospel Eyes with Greg Steerer podcast. The fourth episode, the fourth letter P, paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. This is all about the grace of God poured out on us through his son jesus christ and his death and his resurrection what a beautiful picture of god's love for you and for me i'm excited as greg unpacks the theology behind this powerful statement paying the price for sin jesus died and rose again do me a favor sometime today while you're listening or watching be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your platform if you're not already subscribed rate the podcast. Leave us a comment. We would love to hear from you and what your thoughts are as we continue to go through this Life in Six Words series. Here's Greg with Paying the Price for Sin, Jesus Died and Rose Again.
1: Hey, welcome back to the Gospelized sermon series on Life in Six Words. And we've been going through the gospel message In six words, God, our sins, paying everyone life. We talked about God created us to be with him. We talked about our sins, that they've separated us from God. We talked about sins cannot be removed by good deeds. Today, we talk about paying, paying the price for sin. Jesus died and rose again. When I think about this, I owned a 1997 Honda Accord. And in 2003, I was falling too close to a guy He stopped, I hit him in the back, and damaged, and I got a ticket. Uh, I told the officer, I'm guilty, Uh, I got four points gone, $110 at the time, this is a long time ago, that was the cost of the ticket. And I remember uh, weeks later, getting a copy of that ticket sent back to my house, and it just said, no offense charged, with a smiley face on it. And I'm like, what in the world? My return check. I'm like, what in the world just happened? I was guilty, but somebody in that clerk's office wrote no offense charge and a smiley face. And I thought, man, I have been forgiven of a guilty charge. And I I think about that. And I think about the cross that That written code that was against us, that offense that was charged against us that we were guilty of, just like I was fully guilty of that ticket. In a sense, Jesus writes, no offense charged and puts a smiley face, right? We are forgiven. Jesus paid the price for our sin. I love the way the book of Isaiah puts it in Isaiah 53. The book of Isaiah, often referred to as the fifth gospel, paints a vivid picture of what Jesus did when he paid the price for our sin. It says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. No offense charged to us because Jesus himself paid the price. Paying the price for sin Jesus died and rose again. Listen, this is a powerful truth. And you may be thinking, you ever struggle with the reality that, hey, if God is all powerful, why can't he just snap his fingers and forgive us? Because we're gonna realize this, that there are three reasons uh, he, Jesus had to die to forgive us for our sins. Number one, a price had to be paid. A price had to be paid. Paying the price for sin, Jesus died, and rose again. Hebrews 9, puts it this way. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. We see this throughout the whole Old Testament. When you sinned in the Old Testament, you would have to make a sacrifice. Now I want you to think about this, this, this sin offering to God. When you sinned, you made this sacrifice. I don't know about you, but I would run out of lambs, bulls, and goats. For as much as I sin, and I think it was that feeling of utter desperation, it was intended to create in the heart of the Old Testament Israelites, looking forward to a sacrifice that was to come, the sacrifice of Christ himself. God doesn't just cancel tickets. A price has to be paid. Blood must be shed because there is a sense of justice that must be fulfilled. You've seen the movie, hopefully, Taken. If you've not seen it, it's full-on Old Testament. It's about a dad who has his daughter kidnapped and he is Liam Neeson. He, you know, goes to Europe and he hunts down the perpetrators and he gets his daughter back and you're not satisfied in your soul until the last perpetrator is dead and his daughter has been, uh, you know, brought back, right? And there's that sense of satisfaction. Just like if you see somebody just weaving in and out through traffic and they're driving like a crazy person. And later on, you see that same person pulled over by a police officer. You're like, ha, ah! Because that sense of justice inside, the the wrong must be righted. Well, listen, this is an innate sense of justice that is in all of us. That's part of the divine imprint that justice must be served. And for God, for sin, when sin is committed, justice must be served. And we learned about that in the last one. Sins, they cannot be removed by good deeds and our sins separate us from God, ultimately in a place called hell where justice will be done for all of eternity for anyone who's ever sinned. Sin must be paid for. And that's a price that needs to be paid in blood. See in the Old Testament you see this thing called the Day of Atonement. And the Day of Atonement, what would happen in Leviticus 16, God gives instructions to Israel about the Day of Atonement. And during this day, uh, the the high priest would take a, a a bull and take two goats, and with a bowl he'd make a burnt offering and with these two goats uh, he would make a sin offering he did this ram for the burnt offering these two goats for the sin offering and uh, he would make the sacrifice of one of the goats, but on the other goat he would put his hands on the head of the goat and it was called the scapegoat because that scapegoat would take the sins of the Israelites out into the wilderness. so one goat would die and the other goat would survive and take bear those sins out in into the wilderness and it is a beautiful, beautiful picture of our sins uh, being paid for by the blood of Christ, and then our sins being separated as far as the east is from the west because of that sacrifice. And what the the, the pre, high priest would do on that day of atonement, he'd make one sacrifice for his sins, and then one sacrifice for the sins of the Israelites. He'd take the blood of that sacrifice, he'd go back behind the curtain, and he'd put it on the, the Ark of the Covenant. And that would atone for the sin of the Israelites, that had been committed in that previous year, and you think about this, it kept the Israelites in a constant sense of need because there was no sacrifice for willful sins. And I don't know how many sins that you commit that are accidental, but there was no sacrifice for willful sins. So it created this sense of need in the hearts of the Israelites that there must be a bigger, a better sacrifice. And we know from the book of Hebrews, that sacrifice was Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In Hebrews 9, 24 through 28, for Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself. So like a high priest, he didn't go behind an earthly curtain. He went behind the heavenly curtain. Now to appear for us in God's presence. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again. Just like the high priest would have to enter the most holy place every year with the blood that is not his own. Otherwise, Christ would have to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But he's appeared only once for all the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many and he will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him." Here's the deal. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, his blood was enough to satisfy the wrath of God for all the sins ever committed by anyone in the past, present, or future. There's a theological term called propitiation. It means satisfaction. God's wrath was satisfied. That's why Jesus said, it is finished on the cross. And in a sense, he took that blood, his own blood, behind the curtain into heaven's presence himself, into the throne room of God the Father himself. And that sacrifice was a once and for all. That offering was permanent and it was powerful. And Jesus Christ, fully God, fully human, as fully human, he could die for other humans, as fully divine, that payment for sin was complete and eternal. He doesn't have to go back again and again and again like the Old Testament sacrifice. That's why when John the Baptist saw him, he's behold, the Lamb of God, who doesn't just cover up or atone for the sin of the world, takes away the sin of the world. That goat that bore our sin, so to speak, is out, separated as far as the east is from the west. Escape, we have been set free by the blood of Christ and I think it's important we realize this because so many times we as Christians sing about the love of God and we should. But if you think of the cross, it's not just the one cross beam of the love of God. It's the other cross beam of the justice of God. It's The it, the cross is where the love of God and the justice of God combine. And instead of God taking his wrath out on us, he took it out on his own son because he loved us. And Jesus willingly made that sacrifice because he loves us and he loves the Father. Man, that is powerful. And it is It's kind of mind blowing when you begin to think about this because we forget that our God is not just just, but he is also a wrathful God towards sin. He loves us, but he hates our sin. And that sin must be atoned for. It must be paid for with blood. And the only thing that could satisfy that payment was the blood of Christ himself. So an illustration I use with teenagers often to describe this is, let's say you're walking across the street, right? And there's a big diesel truck, an 18 wheeler coming hundred miles an hour, right for you. You got your AirPods in, you're not paying attention, but somebody standing on the corner who's a complete stranger sees you're about to get hit. They run out as fast as they can. They push you out of the way and the truck hits them instead. They would have died in your place in the same way The wrath of God, the anger of God towards sin was headed straight at us, but Jesus pushed us out of the way and the wrath of God hit Jesus instead. And on the cross, he said, it is finished. He paid the price. The wrath of God towards sin had been fully met in the person and work of Christ on the cross. What a powerful, powerful story. God is a just God and the blood of Christ satisfied that need for justice. But God is also loving. Remember, it's not just the justice of God, it's the love of God that sent Jesus to the cross. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God's love led to action and that action was the giving of his only son to die on the cross. You know, in 1967, Dennis E. Hensley published a manuscript called To Sacrifice a Son. An allegory. Eventually the story became the basis of a short film called Most. I really encourage you to rent it and watch it. It's a story that again has been told and retold by thousands of preachers. It started again in 1967, but in this movie, a man uh, who is a bridge tender, he takes care of the bridges that lift up to let the uh, ships through and close down to let the trains cross by on the cross bridge. He takes his eight-year-old son to work and one day, you know, he, he, the, his son is down by the lake, uh, pretty close uh, to where he was working, but he's got to bring the drawbridge up. And, and the train that's supposed to come, comes an hour early. And his son, running back to meet his father, falls in the gearbox of this drawbridge, and he's caught in the gears. And the dad, this bridge tender, is faced with a horrific choice do I crush my son in the gears and let these people live? Or do I let my son live and that bridge just crashes into the river? And he tried and tried to get his son out, but he could not. So finally he made the horrific choice of losing his son. His son is crushed in those gears and the people that are on that train that go by are clueless that this bridge tender, this man, just lost his son so that they could live. And obviously this is an allegory of the love of God. The difference is it was no accident that God willingly placed his sons in the his son in the gear of his justice so that he could be crushed for our iniquities and Jesus willingly went there so that he could be crushed in our place on the cross and that we could live and have eternal life a price had to be paid secondly why didn't why couldn't god just forgive why why did jesus have to die because an exchange had to be made an exchange had to be made if i were with you face to face and I had a $20 bill and there was a group of you in a room, and I said, hey, whoever brings me the most horrific piece of trash and gives it to me, I'll give this $20 bill uh, in exchange. And one of you brought up just, you know, wadded up Kleenex or whatever, and I took it and I gave you uh, this $20 bill. That's in exchange for something horrible, for something wonderful, right? Well, there was an exchange that was made that is even better. 2 Corinthians 5, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So Jesus took our sin upon himself, but he didn't just take our sin upon himself, there was an exchange, he gave us his righteousness. I'm gonna read this again, 2 Corinthians five twenty one. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God has exchanged our sin for his righteousness. And you think about that, man, we go into the presence of God, not just with the absence of sin, but with the very presence of the righteousness of Christ wrapped around us. There's a great, a great parable that Jesus gives in Matthew 22:8 8 through 14. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready. But those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets, gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. By the way, before I get into this, I love this picture of the answers. We're both we're to go out and get them all. Good, bad, and ugly. The bad, the broken, the bullied, and the bullies. Bring them all to the wedding feast. Then it continues. But when the king came to see the guests, he noticed a man who was there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked... How did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. And this is an analogy that none of us gets into the presence of God without the wedding clothes. What are the wedding clothes? It's the robe of righteousness. It's it's the righteousness of Christ. It's not just the absence of sin. It's the presence of his righteousness. There is a a graduation term, an educational term, called regalia. And these are the robes that are worn by graduates. There's different robes for different degrees. There's master's level robes. There's doctorate level robes. It's full on nerd stuff, right? But there's all sorts of robes and regalia that you get for different levels of graduation. You put it on or you'll be gone. You know, you're not going to go on stage without that regalia. You need that regalia. Uh, I, I received a, an earned uh, doctorate uh, from Colorado Christian University. Uh, and not an earned doctorate. It was an honorary doctorate. There's an earned doctorate, people that actually do the work of getting a PhD. And then there's dudes like me that just stay at it a long time. And by God's grace, uh, Colorado Christian University bequeathed to me an honorary doctorate, not an earned doctorate. I earned it in a sense, but not through education, just through life experience. And I remember that moment, man, putting on that regalia, uh, receiving uh, this honorary doctorate from Bill Armstrong. He was a former two-term senator, one of my heroes in the faith, uh, president of CCU, now he's with the Lord. He's wearing his regalia before the presence of God. Man, what an honor it was. And the deal is I had to have that robe on to receive that honorary degree. Isaiah 61.10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. He's covered me with the robe of righteousness. We have the regalia of Christ himself, and this has not been earned by us. It's been earned by Christ and his shed blood, and he puts that regalia on us, man. It's awesome. A price had to be paid. An exchange had to be made. And finally, a victory had to be be displayed. The victory of the cross. Colossians 2, 13 through 15. When you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He's taken it away, nailing it to the cross, having disarmed the powers and authorities. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Man, I love this. I love this, this victory, this total victory of the cross, this victory that had to be displayed, a victory for us. We were made alive. God brought us from death to life. We were forgiven. He canceled the charge that was against us. No offense charge. He sent our ticket back. No offense charge, but it was written with a smiley face in the blood of Christ. It was paid for by the blood of Christ. We were forgiven and we were given a new life. A life. God made you alive with Christ. He gave us a new life, a new standing, a new family, a new identity. Man, all that happened through what Jesus did when he paid the price for our sin on the cross, when he died and rose again. It was victories for us. It was, by the way, defeat for Satan. I love this when it says, having disarmed the powers and authorities. What does this mean? He disarmed Satan because throughout the Old Testament and actually still to this day, Satan oftentimes uses the law to beat us down. But what Jesus did, he knocked that baton, the club of the law, out of his hand. He was disarmed because no longer could he use that or should he use that to beat us down because he's been disarmed. He was not just disarmed, he was disgraced. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. That idea there is when a victorious Roman army defeated their enemies. Oftentimes they would chain the generals and the surviving soldiers and they would just disrobe them and they would march in front of them and just kind of parade them throughout the town. Just imagine these enemy soldiers just naked and disgraced walking through the town in chains. That's the picture of Satan. Satan has been disarmed and he's been disgraced. So when I was... uh, 15 years old, I was at a movie theater uh, standing outside with my friend looking at the movie posters. And it's a hot Colorado summer's day. got my tank top on, got my shorts on. It was the 80s. They may or may not have been short shorts. This is the thing back then. And there's high school girls in line getting tickets. So I'm all flexed out like, hey, that movie looks good and so does that one. My buddy Art, who's a spaz, is standing behind me, which was a mistake, a tactical mistake, because all of a sudden my shorts are to my ankles. He pulled them all the way down. You talk about... Depanced, disgraced. Instead of pulling him up, I tried to run, which didn't work out. Anyways, it was embarrassing, horrifically shameful. Guess what? What happened to Satan at the cross, in a sense, he got debanced, he got disgraced because the victory is Jesus' victory completely. Satan no longer had the law that he could beat down uh, the believers with. He was disarmed and he was disgraced. Jesus' victory was firm and sure. Listen, it wasn't just the victory of the cross. It's also the victory of the resurrection. Paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. The victory of the resurrection, Acts 1, 3, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Our entire belief system hinges on the reality of the resurrection, 1 Corinthians 15, 14 through 15. He was seen over the course of 40 days, 12 different times by over 500 witnesses. Jesus is alive. The apostle Paul describes the death, burial, and resurrection as of first importance. His resurrection reveals that Jesus' sacrifice was sufficient. Our salvation in Christ alone is assured because the payment was complete. I love the words of propaganda in the Life in Six Words video. At the resurrection, we all cheered because that meant the check cleared the check clear. Jesus is alive. Paul said, 1 Corinthians 15, 16, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Thank God that Jesus didn't just pay the price for our sin, but he rose again. We don't serve a dead Messiah. We serve a living Savior. And again, if you've never put your faith in Christ right now, today is the day of salvation. Believe he paid the price in your place. He took the hit so that you could be forgiven and Uh, have yourself in the regalia, wrapped in the robe of righteousness. And this message needs to be the centerpiece, not just of the message that we preach, but the life that we live, because we died with Christ. We were raised with Christ. We can walk in victory over sin, in newness of life as believers in Christ. You know, D-Day happened June 6, 1944. It was a shining moment for democracy. Seventy-six years ago, June 6, 1944, the Western Allies launched the Great Crusade across the English Channel on the beaches of Normandy to free Europe from what Churchill called the New Uh, dark age of Nazism. And we know what happened on June 6, 1944. After much bloodshed, after many lives lost, we secured the beach of Normandy. And from that moment on, the Allied forces just started. It was a matter of time. It was called D-Day because that was the day of destruction for the Nazis. Even though there were many more battles to be fought. The war was won on June 6, 1944, because once we secured the beaches of Normandy, it was just a matter of fact. It went battle after battle after battle until the Nazi empire, the German empire at that time, would just fall. Here's the deal. For us, D-Day was the day that Jesus died on the cross when he paid the price for sin, and when he rose from the dead three days later, that is our day of victory. That's when the war was won. Sin and Satan are are disabled and depanced and destroyed because of the power of what happened at the cross of Christ, the power of the resurrection. Yes, there are battles that we still must fight. Yes, we have to conquer sin in our own lives and deal with it, but we are operating out of victory not defeat. So I challenge you, and I challenge you to challenge your teenagers to walk in that victory of the cross, to share that message of the cross and the empty tomb. This is good news, paying the price for sin. Jesus died and rose again. Father, thank you for sending your son to be the savior of the world. May we never get over the cross and the empty tomb. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. Love the fourth installment of the Life in Six Words series here on the Gospelized with Greg Steer podcast. Love the outline that Greg just walked us through. Uh, a price had to be paid, an exchange had to be made, and a victory had to be displayed. Uh, this is Jason Land with Dare to Share. I'm joined by my good friend and co-worker, Mackenzie Sherry. Welcome, Hello. Mackenzie, to the podcast. Happy to be here, everybody. I love it. We're we're excited for you to be here, too. This is Mackenzie's first time helping us out with takeaways, tips, and tools. Uh, Mackenzie leads the team here at Dare to Share that's responsible for connecting with many of you, our youth leaders, uh, resourcing, equipping, encouraging, praying for you. If you have a need, Mackenzie and her team is who you need to connect with they'd love to talk to you. Uh, Mackenzie, uh, your first time being on the podcast with us, but this idea the the fourth statement in the six statements of the gospel acrostic, paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. What were some of your takeaways? What what really struck you of what Greg shared with us today?
2: Yeah, well, one thing I just haven't been able to get out of um, my mind is the DePant Satan image. Um, I think we can all agree that that was just something Special so there's
0: group. that. I'm glad that that impacted <laughs> your life. That's
2: amazing. No, but actually like a huge takeaway for me from this was just that idea of like, why did Jesus have to die on the cross and just realizing a uh, price had to be paid for sin and the wrath of God was satisfied through the blood of Jesus. Um, so that we have been set free because of that. And I just really love the visual that Greg shared with that of like, um, where the justice of God and the love of God just collide on the cross in the middle with Jesus. It's just such a powerful image.
0: Totally powerful image, and and yeah, like Greg said, it'd be nice to just God snap his finger and made it go away. But the reality is that price had to be paid. What a price he paid by giving up his own son for you, for me, for all of us. And so yeah, totally. Uh, I uh, I'm a big fan. Second Corinthians five seventeen through twenty one is like. One of my all-time favorite passages in the New Testament, and Greg referenced it several times in that talk with the last verse, verse 21, uh, he made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, that exchange that had to be made that through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we we literally get to exchange our sin nature and our identity in sin with his righteousness mm-hmm. and his holy nature and divine nature, and, and God now sees us through the blood of Jesus and, and sees us as righteous because that exchange has been made. It is just so powerful. So yeah, obviously a lot of great takeaways from today's message. Uh, some tips, especially for those of you that serve as youth leaders, whether you might be a small group leader, a youth pastor, anytime you gather with your students, uh, I think it is a powerful tip that as youth leaders, we should be giving the gospel every week every time we meet we should be reminding our students all the time that paying the price for sin jesus died and rose again i remember the impact this had in my ministry as a youth leader when i started giving the gospel every week and a life transformation we started seeing take place on a regular basis it encouraged my believing students to hear the gospel over and over and then it also obviously encouraged and challenged unbelieving students of the beauty of the gospel and and this quintessential point of jesus at the middle On the cross, his death and resurrection, uh, how powerful that statement is, paying the price for sin. Jesus died and rose again. So tip, youth leaders give the gospel every week. And we just brainstormed this at Storyline Fellowship where I go. I was brainstorming with our student ministry team that when we give the gospel every week, it doesn't even need to be us. Like get a student on the mic, get a student on the stage, let a student who's just recently learned how to articulate the gospel to have that opportunity to share the gospel in front of their peers. It will only encourage them as they got to share their faith. But if we're going to give the gospel every week, let's mix it up. Let's use our students. And so big tip for you, give the gospel every week.
2: Mm, I love that, Jason, and how cool to like implement that right away too with your students. So um, another cool thing from TIPS um, is Greg used so many different illustrations and object lessons. So youth leaders just take everything that Greg was talking about and use those as new and creative ways to he share the your
0: illustration machine. vending machine. Just push a button <laughs> and out comes the illustration. He's he amazing.
2: really is. So take advantage of that, right? So use that $20 bill illustration or the, the Mack truck one or even the bridge tender and his son just what cool ways of saying the the same message but in different ways as well um and so in fact we actually have some old dare to share old school dare to share videos of ways old school dare to share videos um, of different ways to present the gospel so there's one um of our one of our old employees emma um using it with a soap water and pepper illustration and then we also as in
0: former not old as in 80 years old
2: that is correct Former employee excuse me (laughs) and then um jason our very own jason lamb has also has a youtube video up there about paper airplane a rocket and a cross and that one i highly recommend because it was a video where jason had hair on his head
0: on my head as opposed to all over my face (laughs) now i feel old and self-conscious about being bald and i'm just i'm struggling with security right now thanks so much for
2: that. So check them uh, out. <laughs> up,
0: everybody. Please do check out those tools on our YouTube channel. Additionally, another great tool, and many of you may be familiar with it, but the Life in Six Words spoken word video by Propaganda clearly lays out the gospel, really unpacks and drives home that idea that Jesus paid the price for our sin. Greg quoted it uh, in his his sermon within the episode today that at the resurrection we all cheered because that means the check cleared, right? That's that idea that Christ's payment was indefinite and in full and uh, just a powerful video in another creative way to present the gospel and even to train the gospel within your students. And so check out all those videos. Uh, That's our heart here at Dare to Share. As you all know, for youth leaders, we wanna come alongside you, resource and equip you. So take advantage of the videos we have on YouTube. Check out the website as always for any additional resources, but we are here for you. We love partnering with you in the gospel ministry. And until every teen everywhere hears the gospel from a friend on behalf of myself, Mackenzie, and Greg and the whole team here, thank you so much for tuning in.